With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. News team, assemble! It's back and bigger than ever. It's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Sooner Scoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, it is the Unofficial 40 Podcast from Soonerscoop.com, and the entire gang is here. I feel like I just need to let out. It's OU Texas Week, motherfuckers. We are on, we are ready to go, and we are ready to head down to Dallas to watch what is becoming, by the day, just a more and more monumental matchup between the Texas Longhorns. and the, I think all, I don't know how you guys and, and your friends or family are handling this right now, but every minute that goes by, my friends are reading Longhorn message boards and getting themselves more and more lathered up uh, at the, I don't know, I, I, I think the general consensus, Josh, and I don't know if you're kind of getting this on the board too, I'm sure you are, is that Texas fans have never been more full of themselves. Uh, they've never setting themselves. They've never set themselves up for as big of a letdown as they are this weekend in Dallas. I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just saying that's what's happening in my little circle of OU fandom. Uh, is all of my friends and you know, Mister Superfan, Mister Rockstar is a number one on the list. Just insanely texting five minutes apart constantly because he's on like the Texas message boards constantly. So uh, it's going to be fun. I'll tell, I'll tell you this. When Eddie and George, when you were doing your practice report yesterday and talking about the fair and everything, you were getting me kind of fired up. Yeah, it's it's the best week of the year. And I, I think that anybody that has never gone, it, there's so many cliches that go into OU Texas, but at the same time, it is one of the best events, one of the best experiences, one of the like my favorite days of the year just in terms of actually working and being yep. down on the mm-hmm. field, yeah. walking down the tunnel, uh, walking into the fair. It's just, it's insane. I, and it, what makes it even worse is I have FOMO like never before, because I, 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 I believe this to be true. I have entrusted Bob Prisbillo with the credential process. He told me that there wasn't <laughs> one for me that the, you know, that Texas would only <laughs> give us so many. I'm trusting him, but I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like one Jared Followell. Uh, by the day I get more and more conspiracy theorist, uh, and I'm by the the time the game gets here, I'm probably calling Texas's SID to make sure that you didn't screw me out of a ticket. I did not got the I, job. I, I got the receipts. On it. I yeah. have the okay, receipts good. right here. Bob, Bob, don't worry. I won't shoot any pictures from the press box. He'll never know I was there. It's totally <laughs> fine, man. No problem at all. You better have a two thousand word post game story if that happens. <laughs> Uh, that is Josh McQuistian. He is Josh. Welcome to you and I getting to talk uh, on our airwaves, our our tr- digital transmissions, whatever. This is our time to shine, pal. Eddie and George have taken I, over everything else. 
I was thinking like this, the, the podcast really has become our baby. Like it's, it's our time now, George and Eddie did give me a little time on Monday. So that was exciting. Got to, uh, yeah, let the world true. see me mute my, my own dumb ass. So that was exciting. Um, but yeah, guys, I, I again, are you, like you, are you said, shopping, the are you we're like, right where we're supposed to be. Are you, uh, shopping more because you look, you look when you know, you're going to do one. I don't know if you're not wearing the stupid safari clothes every time. Like, I feel like you've made an effort <laughs> to go out and buy some real, you know, human clothes. Well, I mean, I'm a t-shirt guy, like all day, every day. And then, so I think I got in this thought, like, cause usually if I go to a game, I am like, I'll wear a collared shirt, whether it's our sooner scoop shirt or whatever. Like I, you know, Honey, and that, Rhino, that thing's like sure. 10 years old. I have got to replace those. Um, but like, I, I just, is that so why like, your expenses were so expensive this week? Are you padding it? With My expenses allowance? were insane. I did. It was one of those things I was counting it up. I was like, oh shit, this is getting uglier by the minute. Um, I don't even mind because no, I, I thought that video was fantastic of Devon Mitchell and, um, and yeah. Eugene Brooks. Can't yeah. be that I thought, much. I, I, it was, it was worthwhile. It can't be that much. Grams are still 25 bucks out in Cali. <laughs> uh, but no, to to the OU Texas thing, we are where we're supposed to be. Texas, like OU fans, seeing them as the arrogant assholes that they hate, that think they're better than everybody on the field, off the field, whatever it is. OU fans get to be the underdog that they that they act like they don't want to be, but they want to be. They love being the team that nobody believes in, and so everybody's where they want to be. They're right on target. And I, guys, I don't know about you, I am. There are so many ways I can see this game going. I, I couldn't be more excited to watch it. It is about as perfect as it, like, set up just in terms of what you just said, where both teams are. You throw in maybe one of the best forecasts in the history of OU Texas uh, or in recent memories, especially in the last 15 years. Uh, it's, it's either going to be a really, really good weekend or kind of a weekend of, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say reality because I, I do think that Oklahoma's much improved from a year ago, but I think that there are a ton of questions that we will begin to uh, kind of find out about this Oklahoma football team. As I said last week, like this month of the month of October with the bye week fit in next week and then Central Florida and Kansas, I think that we're going to definitely know what this thing is here by the end of the month. Well, and Bob, it and had certainly to be, by the end of the weekend. Bob, it had to be strange sitting in the press. That's strange, but maybe alarming when you saw what was going on in that first quarter against Iowa State because you were probably like, oh, shit, is this oh, the same no. defense? We're going through this all over again. But that actually, because that happened and the way that they responded, it's almost like OU fans have even more confidence than ever before because they were waiting for the other shoe to drop. They were waiting for that Kansas State moment from last year where the defense didn't bring it, and it's 21-20, and you think you're going into a 55-45 game Instead, it's 50-20, to 20, and you couldn't feel any better about where this team stands going into the Cotton Bowl. We're going to talk to uh, George Stoya coming up in a little bit, too. Uh, and, uh, you know, Josh, I'll ask you because you and I kind of watch, I think, it the same way. Uh, Brent's press conference, you know, we've both known him for so long. Uh, I really kind of felt yesterday, not for the first time, but I I feel like Brent is settling into being the head coach at the University of Oklahoma. I thought he was uh, 
almost regal yesterday in the way that he commanded the room. Uh, and, and you know, George asked him about limiting practice and distractions and stuff. Uh, he was the asshole journalist yesterday, which I appreciate uh, very much. But I don't know. Do you get that that sense, kind of watching him, Josh? Like he's starting to kind of really kind of feel this job a little bit. Kinda. I because again, and I said it. I didn't. I, I didn't buy that answer like that, that answer. I mean, and, and that's fine. Like he was saying, Oh, you know, I just want to be honest. And it, it was one of those deals where, and I get, nobody gives a shit about us as media, like having an issue with, you know, getting four guys instead two of the weeks eight ago, or whatever. So, I mean, I'm, I, I can live with it. Yeah. So like, I, you know, I, I get it. No one cares. And that that's fine. That, you know, our problems are our problems. Um, well, we the media but was, doesn't even like each other. So, I mean, the fans yeah. don't like the media. I get that part. We think some mm-hmm. of the people in the media are idiots, too. So You do. I love yes. everybody. <laughs> uh, well, you That seemed like a sarcastic you laugh. The, you don't get the phone calls like I do from certain people. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Got one of them today, uh, in fact. Pause. Okay, now we're ready. Uh Everybody can have their guesses in. They should somebody like people should be writing it down at home, like what their best guess of who that call was. Uh, but you know, I, I do. I to to the what you're talking about, Carrie. I think there is definitely some, and and I think it comes from Brent Venables feeling like they're starting to secure the ground, like it's starting to not feel so shaky. Everything was so chaotic last year, and you know, riding in on the wave of good feelings into the season, and then you know, the wave crashes. So I, I, I think there was, there was some rockiness and I think this move was just kind of like, I, I feel comfortable in doing what I'm going to do in the way I want to do it. And that's fine. Brent gets to run that program. However he feels like I, my only issue with it was not, and, and I said it to you guys, like there was this conversation about, well, the media is going to get the gotcha questions that only that you can't get anybody who doesn't say anything like we ask the questions. What you say is what you say. So, like, I don't. I, I, I always hate that. Like, it's a gotcha question. What's a, what is a gotcha question? You said the words, not me. It feels like too that I don't know. And it's easy to say this in hindsight, but it just feels like last year everything was on training wheels, and for the first time in a while, they're starting to ride down the street. And it's you know it's you let it's, go of the bike, and you're, you're like, still gonna hey, you're still gonna crash a couple times, yeah. but at the same time. Uh, everything is moving in the right direction. And I think that's what's so interesting about Saturday is, you know, just from a defensive scheme and concept of what they want to be able to do, it feels like he trusts this defense enough. They've, you know, kind of checked all those boxes in the first five games that you can really kind of unleash this thing. And you're going to have to if you want to slow down uh, Texas offensively. You know what I can see happening right now is that we're getting into the weeds. And... I can I can see that because Enjoy Vision uh, is giving us a fresh perspective, uh, and it is the Enjoy Vision look around. And Eddie Radosevich, hopefully, if you do wind up in the big screen on the big screen as you have before, I don't know if you have a plan for that this year. I won't be. Well, I'm gonna just get I don't the think finger. Can, I don't think you can. I'm gonna top, try to get kicked out. I don't think you can top just the waving. I mean, that was just it was perfect. one of the uh, the great moments, and it's unfortunate. I was telling the story this morning on radio that. It's unfortunate that like Nate just happened, Nate Fakin just happened to get it on camera. Uh-huh. I actually pop up out of the out of like nowhere onto the screen is how it all went down. Uh-huh. So it like if you could imagine it was because it was just the Texas band and then I pop up out of nowhere. So it would have been better if you would have got that, but 
uh, I was thankful that he was shooting when he did. Well, anyway, I don't know if your your, your vision now is so much better. It's I, 2010, I, it's perfect. I would imagine that that we're going to see something even better this year. It's perfect. It's perfect vision for a perfect weekend. And it's because of Enjoy Vision, which is the best laser vision center in Oklahoma City. And it's not even close. The combination of mind-blowing technology, experienced eyeball surgeons, and exceptional patient care was life-changing for me. What they're doing for the unofficial 40 listener, they're giving $400 off of LASIK. All you got to $400. That's incredible. You used to be able to sell your OU tickets for $400 and go buy a teeter. All you got to do is go to enjoywithme.com and use promo code U40. That is the letter N-J-O-Y with me.com. Promo code U40. Enjoy vision. This is where you LASIK. And we don't condone the use of illicit drugs on OU Texas weekend. Thank you. And neither does enjoy vision. That's, yes, <laughs> we. How about we, that? Yeah. We're the collective we. <laughs> uh, they knew what they signed up for, Josh, I guess. Um, check still clear, so, you know. Uh, so, I mean, we move forward, Bob. I, I mean, we've got tons of content that's been out this week, tons more. Uh, you know, the four players, yeah, it's not ideal, but it also, I think, is is interesting. And, and I'm not – I don't even want us to really – talk about it. I, I don't care I mean Brent gets a pass for me yes. I mean on that stuff he's been great I, I mean, I, the only reason is that there were stories that we had planned right by if we like if we had known Sunday oh you're only getting four players totally fine we find out in the middle of the you're Monday waiting on the concourse media yeah. session that oh this is it so like oh all right so now you're just kind of scrambling trying to make sure you give the content that you this week de- deserves need, yeah deserves and but yeah, I mean we were able to adjust. We pivot. We're good. I do understand where he's coming from, yep. though. Like it, I get don't, it I, to a certain extent. Don't don't have a problem with it. Uh, okay, so from the guys that you were able to talk to, which was Woody Washington, Drake Stoops, uh, uh, Danny Stutzman, and no McCabe no, Matower and Drake McCabe Stoops. Mattower, Drake Stoops, yeah. And, Woody Washington and Dylan, and, yeah, and Dylan, Dylan was kind of a re- rehash of Saturday, which I thought was the best interview he's ever given, talking about embracing how to be a quarterback at a spot like OU and how much he missed being in this game last year. I mean, we knew he warmed up, but, it's like, but he wasn't going to play. We knew he, he wasn't clear. That was never going to happen. And I guess I forgot that he sat in the in the offensive coordinator's box. Second half. Second half. The, First half, second he was half. on okay. the sidelines. And as 28 nothing at halftime, we all, I think, wanted to just kind of run and hide. <laughs> At at that point, that you know, he did. That's he just awful. could. Could we had like was it about the concussion? Like were the bright light? No, it. it he was actually okay in that regard. It was just mm, there's no need to go back down there for for a second half. You know, it's one of those things because um, you know since you've been here uh, and we've had other people around. Like I can't remember every single game that I've been to in the last couple of years. But I know I was at that game last year because I distinctly remember the whole thing just felt like an out-of-body experience. Like, it was just so bizarre. I mean, And there's photos of Brent looking like that. Like, he had no answers, no clue of how the heck do I get this on track and how the heck did this happen on this day. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Well, and you mentioned Dylan Gabriel, and you know, we've you know, you did a story on him. You talked about his approach, and Josh, this is this is everything in this game. Dylan Gabriel versus Quinn Ewers. I mean, two guys that have done a lot, you know, of impressive things in their careers, but you know. You can say Quinn Ewers went into Alabama one. That's the biggest victory uh, between these two in their current uniforms. I mean, um, they've both been other places. They're both now, you know, at Texas and Oklahoma. But really, judging who is going to handle the pressure of it all, I mean, I think we still have that question about Dylan Gabriel. Can he? I, that's Absolutely. The, that's my yep. biggest question this is. week is he has to go do it against a really good defense. And if you can do that... I think there are so many steps forward that this whole 2023 season can take. And 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 the same holds true though for Quinn Ewers. I mean, he does have the Alabama victory, but at the and same he time, really he's going to be facing a defense that forces turnovers, interceptions. I mean, they do it as well as anybody in the country, and Quinn Ewers, Josh is known for, you know, throwing, you know, a lot of interceptions. I mean, at least late, late last season. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I, I think it's a different conversation with you. And don't get me wrong. Alabama has a better defense than Oklahoma. Like, I, I believe that. I think we all would pretty much accept that as fact. Where the difference comes is if Dylan Gabriel can handle it and is playing well and does the things that, you know, frankly, that we saw in the second, you know, second, third, and fourth quarter against Iowa State, then there's more pressure on every time Texas has the ball than Quinn Ewers had to deal with against Alabama. Like, I know that that game was kind of nip and tuck there for a while. It was pretty clear that Alabama had moonshots and they didn't have anything else. And and so if they could finally, you know, if Texas could find a way to stop Milrow from hitting them over the top, it was going to be pretty tough for Alabama to keep pace. Um, so it's a little different when Gabriel can take you down the field methodically, which he can do if things, if everything else is right. And he's, you know, like I. He has the ability, like you guys said, we're going to have to see how he can handle that environment. Because he, I mean, guys, you whatever you say about Ewers, Ewers has been in something like this. Gabriel's mm. never seen anything like this. He just hasn't. I don't care about being on the sideline. When you're on the field, right. we all know it's incredibly and different. Ewers put up the numbers last year, but we all agreed he played poorly. Yeah. Like He could have thrown yeah. for like 500 yards and Easily. seven, eight touchdowns. Easily, and yeah. that's what's one of the more interesting storylines as, you know, again, as cliche as it may seem, we talk about this every year in OU Texas, uh, just in terms of guys that are getting their first taste of it. It's a different atmosphere. Uh, you could go play in a college football playoff. I don't think that that compares to what this whole thing is, whether it be it's the weirdness of riding into the fair on the bus, uh, everything that goes with the atmosphere of the game. You talk about the momentum and how it shifts. I don't think there's any better example of that than 21 when exactly. we were all down there for the Caleb Williams comeback game. I mean, the the scene at the beginning from like walking down to from the Texas end to the OU end at the beginning of the fourth quarter, I will never forget. I think that's one of my favorite uh, just on-field experiences in the last 11 years that we've been doing this. It was insane. I I, I want to say, as I sit here today on Wednesday, uh, just about what, 1240, I still don't think that OU is going to win this game. And I know I'm saying that on a, you know one of the biggest OU podcasts. But I do want to say I think there are a lot of things going in Oklahoma's favor. I think Jeff Lebby 
and Dylan Gabriel are working together at a level that we haven't seen uh, an offensive coordinator work with someone since the other guy and Caleb Williams was here. Like, and even, you know, like the way that he tore apart that, you know, Heacock defense uh, against Iowa State, other quarterbacks at OU have failed to do that. I mean, they are playing at a really high level uh, in, in the passing game. Now, the running game, totally different deal. Mm-hmm. And protection, that goes into it. But I like where OU sta- stands right now going into this game offensively because of Levy and, and Gabriel and the way they're working together. Yeah. Are you guys surprised how how little traction that's gotten? Like, nobody does what OU did to Iowa State. Nobody's done it. Like, I, I don't points, care. Yeah. That That's an... I mean, and guys, like, they had 40 at half. Yeah. I mean, like, it's it's unbelievable. And I, I don't know. I guess, like, even amongst the fan base, there was so much kind of lingering, I don't know, of hostility, like, I, I, whatever you want to call it toward Jeff Levin. Like, where they just haven't been, yeah. yeah, they just haven't been happy enough. And I, I know people are still not happy with the run game and all that stuff, but I'm like, guys, they just dropped 40 on – what has easily been the Big 12's best defense for the last half decade? I think everybody is just like, it's cautious optimism just in terms of if they can go do this against Texas, the way that we're going to be talking about this team next Wednesday is, I mean, you start talking about playoff, you start talking about running the table, you start talking about Dylan Gabriel, is he going to be in New York City? Like, this, it's such a monumental moment for Brent Venable's program to go in there and uh, knock off a Texas team that I think everybody agrees is really good. And I just, it, it's hard. I was telling Carrie and George yesterday that it's hard for me to just, I think, like pick OU in this game because Texas did what they did in Tuscaloosa. If you if you could eliminate that from my brain, I think that there's an avenue that I would you, fully you believe. like is a total toss-up. Right, going into this. right. And, you know, I... It's it's crazy too that like we 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 have seen Texas and they played well since the Alabama game, which I think was a big question of can they carry you know the success in a way because they haven't had that success in a while in Austin. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I just I still have so many questions. Like I think OU's pretty damn good defensively. How are they going to match up with some of these skill positions that Texas is going to throw at them? I think Gentry Williams is starting to become a big player at Oklahoma. How's he going to do when he's having to uh, guard A.D. Mitchell or you know Xavier Worthy or whoever they throw at him? Yeah, and, you know, it, it, at the same in the same vein, I mean, Texas should feel really confident, you know, in what they're doing offensively and, and the weapons they have. And, and we're going to get to it, but really, you can, you can talk about OU's receivers. You can talk about Texas's receivers. Obviously, Brooks is a bit of an advantage for them at running back, if not a big advantage. Uh, and then it gets down to the lines. And the thing yeah. that Texas can feel good about is they went into Alabama and they held their own on both sides of the line. They did more than more that. Than they that. they yeah. whooped yeah. their ass. I mean, nine tackles for loss and uh, five sacks in Tuscaloosa, and they didn't give up a sack. Yeah. Like that's That's a big number for me. Because we know what Alabama's recruited up front. Yeah, Josh. I mean, I I think that's what I I you know we'll just get into it. I mean, what do you think about the matchups on on the offensive and defensive lines? You know, I I think I think the same. It's the same 
both offensive lines have the same concern, I guess is the way I would say it. I think Texas and Oklahoma are so good at tackle, it's going to be really tough to find a lot of joy uh, out there. Like Kelvin Banks. Uh, now, Kelvin Banks struggled against Kansas. He had some problems uh, in, in that game. And I again, I don't know if it's, you know, he he was just hurt or he kind of checked out. I, I don't know what it was. But he, he just wasn't the best game I've seen from him. Tyler Guyton, obviously, he I think he'll do a good job with whoever Texas throws against him. Um, but inside, and it's it's very different. Oklahoma's interior run game has been a problem with Ray. I mean, we we don't have to go over that. We everybody knows that. And then you throw that against Byron Murphy, Tavondre Sweat, and Alfred Collins, who are all NFL guys. Like that's Great. that's a lot. And that's brother. a lot to ask, and that group's going to have to step up and like, what does OU do at left guard? Like, I thought Troy Everett was the best offensive lineman in that game last week, but at the same time, like we've talked about the whole time, Savion Bird is the guy who has the most ability to deal with these kind of players. Like, he has the most physical talent. He's bigger than Everett. Like, you, you go down anything you want to look at, he's the guy. But do you break that cohesion that I thought at times against Iowa State started to look right, even in the run game? Now, on the flip side, for Texas... They've got problems in pass pro inside. Jake Majors has real problems, and we know how much Oklahoma's used that double A gap blitz with Canick and Stutzman yep. this year. You, I bet money you're going to see a lot of blitzing up the middle. Like I, I, I just think that is Brent's going to live and die with the blitz. Would be my expectation, and, and they're going to make those guys do it. Emerging Jonah Lulu, who's playing really good yeah. football for Oklahoma inside. Yeah. By the way, I yeah. will say this, and I know people are probably screaming at their radios or car stereos or whatever uh it is clear that alabama's offensive line is not the same as it has been like it's it's they have not been able to run the ball uh they've not been able to pass protect it's it's kind of the talk of the sec right now is like what the hell happened to alabama's offensive line so quickly so it now, I mean, I, and I also think you have to acknowledge, and I mean, I know Texas fans, that the Texas fans that hear this will say, oh, it's sour grapes. Hey, Alabama still didn't have any offensive identity in that game. Like They, they were just kind of trying to marry Jalen Milrow to what they've done, and now they've kind of come back and said, we got to do what suits Jalen Milrow, and all of a sudden that offense is starting to look mm-hmm. a little different, which helps Texas down the road because Alabama's going to start ripping off wins. Sure. And everybody's going to say, oh, well, look how great Texas is. They went in there and won. It, it It is. I mean, it's a great win. It just it changes the conversation a little bit. Now, do you think, Josh, that this is a game uh, for uh, P.J. Adeboro a little bit more? Or do you think they kind of stick with veterans? I mean, that's the interesting thing to me is, like, what are Todd Bates and Miguel Chavis thinking there? Uh, I mean, we, I think we all know Lualu is going to be a guy that they lean on in this game, and he's going to have a role. Uh, but outside, and um, it's also interesting when you're talking about, you know, and we talk about first year players in this thing. And John Shin brought this up at the press conference on uh, Tuesday, just that you know PJ's obviously a freshman, but you have guys that are playing in this first game that it's quite different than what it has been for the last decade because you have so many guys that have played a ton of football but are still getting their first OU Texas reps whether it be Reggie Pearson on the back end who played well against Texas a year ago at Tech or Trace Ford, Rondell Bothroyd, those types of guys that have played a lot of college football. They just haven't been 
in this space, in this in this arena. Well, like, is a guy like Jacob Lacey, is he going to be able to handle this because he's seen so many big games sure. you know, mm-hmm. playing at Notre Dame? Is this going to be just another thing for him? I wouldn't say it's going to be overwhelming to him. I mean, there might be a slight adjustment, but, I mean, he's a guy that they've relied on, and, and Brent was asked about him uh, and just talking about how much he does that people don't see in the stat line. Um, but, you know, Rondell Bothroyd, I mean – Obviously, playing at Wake Forest, you don't get a whole lot of games like this one. You wouldn't think. You wouldn't think, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, no, I, I would say somebody like – although, Josh, I don't know, with PJ's temperament, I don't know that you know he really – I don't know that he lets stuff like this really get to him. But maybe I would does. be pretty surprised. It, it, it's one of those things where you look at it, you know, and you hear the, the cliches where they're like, he doesn't know what he doesn't know. Right. And I think that's part – like, PJ didn't grow up like watching Oklahoma, Texas football or dreaming about this moment. Like, so I think he's going to be like, well, this is nuts. And then he just goes and plays. Like, I I don't (laughs) see the environment being too big for him at the same time. Again, we're talking about at left tackle. There's Kelvin banks, which, uh, you know, if you look at their alignment, he's been on the right side a lot. Like, uh, you know, and I know it's, it's just kind of the way it, it, it plays within Brent's defense. So that's not a hard and fast rule by any stretch of the imagination. But there is um, – so that you have that where he – if he's on the right side, he's lined up against Kelvin Bakes. That's a hell of a lot to ask, even as talented as P.J. is. So we'll kind of see I, – I, like I said, I would like to see a lot of him. I would like to see a lot of R. Mason Thomas. I, I Something where they can challenge those guys upfield a little bit because Oklahoma, unlike some of these recent games they've played here with Emory Jones and Rocco Beck, they don't have to worry as much about, oh, he's going to break out of the pocket and go run. Now, Ewers can run. I mean, he'll if you give him a first down, he'll take it. But he's not a guy that's going to hurt you badly with his feet. He's not going to go rip off 35 yards. Do we know how many snaps R. Mason has taken since the Tulsa game? Oh, we could look it up, I'm sure. I think we can have George yeah. figure that out. But, I mean, that, that is surprising that we just haven't seen much of him um, in – you know, being the guy that everybody talked about being the best athlete at, at that position. Um, you got to think, you know, somebody like that. I, I haven't looked at I mean, George's latest story, but I don't know if he's it, part of the it's 10. however many snaps he had last week. Right, because he, he didn't play. Yeah, he didn't play <laughs> he didn't in Tulsa. Travel. He didn't, he and didn't I didn't notice him much last week. And How I mean, many snaps? He's played 36 this year, 11. I'm pulling it up. 11, 11, 11 last year. week, 36, 36 overall. the entire season. I swear to God. I cannot be left alone. Um, anyway, uh, take just speaking of the PFF stuff, some of their numbers last week, I don't know if you guys have looked at it, was baffling. Like Danny Stutzman was a 58.9. It wasn't his best game of the year, but like he was a low-grade player. I didn't see that at all. Yeah, I, I haven't had really time to digest all that stuff this year. I know George and Eddie kind of, Mm-hmm. dig into that after games and stuff. But, I mean, point being, back to, you know, the matchups on, on the defensive line, I will say this. I, you know, talk to some people, it does sound like Troy Everett will get the start at guard uh, with Savion Bird being on the ready. I just think Bird is a guy that hasn't earned Bill's trust so far. And yeah, I don't even know if, the, if that really was a concussion that he had against Tulsa. Like, I've heard people say they don't know what's going on with him. Just like some weird stuff. Hmm. I I have no idea. 
I mean, weird I, stuff. You're not. I was told it was a concussion, but yeah. Well, I have no idea. I know that he wasn't out at practice and stuff, or he was out at practice, but he wasn't practicing. Hmm. You mean the week after? Right. He'd yeah. been out there this yeah. week, though. Yeah. What, in terms of stopping Jatavian Sanders, I think that that's obviously massive. And you look at what he did, and it's it's kind of crazy, too, because you look at his game-by-game, game, he only had four receptions against Alabama, but four, those four receptions went for 120 count. yards. I mean, it was 22 a, 22 a pop. Uh, that's why he's so dangerous, guys. Like He's like one of those guys, you don't notice he's there, and then all of a sudden he is killing you. Um you know, he had five for 110 against Baylor. I mean, like, when he shows up, man, he shows up in a big way. And it's it, it just one of the – and that's why, guys, you know, and Eddie, you and I talked about this a little bit on Monday. That's why the tight end is becoming so popular, the Travis Kelseys. You know, you, you run down the list of all the great tight ends around football right now, and it's because there's no matchup for them. Like, if the quarterback – like I said on Monday with Quinn Ewers, if Quinn Ewers is right and he's putting the ball in a good position, there's almost nothing you can do to deal with a guy like Jatavion Sanders. That that's the problem. Like, and that's why it's so difficult because they're bigger than the DBs. They're more comfortable out in the route tree than a linebacker is. So it, it's just really, really difficult to find you know a a good matchup. And that's guys. I mean, I, I think it was known that I was always a big proponent of Desan McCullough. This is the one game this year that Justin Harrington would have been perfect. perfect. I mean, just I mean, perfect. Absolutely, for what perfect. they need. What do you think they do and there? You go Bowen. I, well, my my biggest thing is you can't let Texas be two dimensional. You, you you can't defend them on both fronts. Like Oklahoma has got to manage Jonathan Brooks in that run game because if they if they pop for. 175, I don't see how he wins this game. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I don't believe that. So, to me, you've got to have McCullough out there and let him help that run defense because I think we're all – he's one of OU's better run defenders. I don't think there's any question about it. Um, and even if – you know, because you look at that Alabama game, Sark started throwing the bubble screens and a lot of, a lot of just screen game in general to – kind of compensate for the fact that they weren't able to run the ball very well against uh, Alabama early on. And McCulloch excels at that as well. So they're going to do some stuff in the short game if Oklahoma can show, hey, you're not going to gash us up the middle the way you did Kansas. Um, and if they can make that work, then okay, then you force them into some situations. And then, yeah, I mean, you're more comfortable with Peyton Bowen being out there on him in a passing situation. And I feel... Honestly, of all the matchups, Bowen's probably the one I feel best about. I know Pearson's played some of that cheetah, um, but I just feel like Bowen's athleticism and just natural playmaking ability might get his hand in there. He might tip a ball. There's more of a chance for Oklahoma to turn that and make it into, you know, Sanders is going to get his if he's healthy. But if you can get a few of those to go the other way, maybe you make a big play because like we talked about earlier, Ewers has shown some propensity for the bad moment, and Oklahoma's got to seize on those when they're there if they're going to beat what I think is a better team. I mean, th there's just more there to say that Texas is a little ahead of Oklahoma right now, so they're going to have to find some moments and really make those 
play as big as they can. The one thing that Oklahoma has done really exceptionally well uh, through five games is when they have been attacked with those bubble screens that Sark loves to use and get those guys out in space. Gentry Williams, Woody Washington have been exceptional in tackling and not just tackling. The tackles for loss. Getting through wide receivers and tackling guys for losses. Mm -hmm. And that's something that like with every little, you know, stone turned over in this game, Texas and OU both. It, they block extremely well on the outside. And by the way, uh, you know, I think you've seen better play out of Key Lawrence, but I almost uh, trust Reggie Pearson in those situations. Pearson, Pearson played great against yeah. Texas yes. uh, a year ago in Lubbock. Shout out Coach Pearson. He, I know people He played were, well last week against Iowa State. I thought he, after, oh, it, after Tulsa week. being a rough game, yeah. he really bounced back. And I know it's like it's 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 so stupid now that we continue to talk about it, but when you talk about competitive depth, I mean we we were a week removed from talking about Key Lawrence basically while we pipping him. Yeah, and yeah, never and, and Reggie Pearson country. probably not getting the job back. And not only did he come back and uh, you know I don't know about get the job back, but he came back and played really well in that game. And and that's what you're shooting for. Mm-hmm. Every, that's why Billy Bowman back to back weeks of picks. Like if you're someone you're going to play at that high level, you got to keep rising up to it. By the way, for you, Twitter you take it, it will be interesting to see if they get Kenai Walker back. I. I truly, I that was something that probably should have been asked of Brent on uh, Tuesday, uh, and just his absence. He was he was there at the game. He just yep. didn't suit up. So we'll see what that is. By the way, for you Twitter detectives, uh, we were not in trouble with Reggie Pearson's dad. Oh yeah, we had a nice conversation. He wants to come by the uh, office, guys. Because can I? I mean. I know everybody knows Xavier Worthy, and we know Xavier Worthy can run, but I Oklahoma and the way they play zone and they're blitzing, like I don't know how much he's going to be able to hurt them. Like I'm not saying he can't. I mean his speed, like if he gets loose, OU does something wrong. Absolutely, he he can he can put six up real fast. Just out of curiosity, um, you know what uh, Xavier Worthy did a year ago against OU, the 49 nothing game. I'm going to say when not the- much. 2021 yeah, was well, he just did, uh, he did fumble coming yeah, he, out. He did give Caleb play. Kelly the ball back on a kickoff. Three receptions. That's 2021. That was 21. Oh, 21. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, three receptions, 29 yards. Yeah. 2021 was uh, Latrell McCutcheon. <laughs> Shout yeah. out. Shout out. Yeah. Latrell still hadn't quite recovered from that one. Um, but no, uh, the guy though, would you watch Texas? Adonai Mitchell, which I, I I heard on the broadcast, that's what he wants to be referred not to AD. as, not AD. Not AD. All right, okay. So well, there's only yeah. One so AD. fine. Um, he's he's really good. I mean, he's really really good. Great size, can run all the routes. He he is in a lot of ways. He reminds me of Andrell Anthony, I was about to say just that. bigger. Like mm-hmm. between Anthony and Mitchell, Texas and OU really knocked it out of the park with the portal. The guy from a playoff team that you weren't sure was going to do much, they both have been inc- just incredible ads. And you know, I think Eddie, yeah. Eddie, and I talked about this in the post game podcast. Like, just getting Brennan Thompson involved last week, kind of to me says, okay, we think we need to get this guy ready because he could really be a weapon for us here going into. It, Texas. it went very under the radar that he met with us after the game on Saturday and basically said, yeah, I hadn't been cleared until this past week. Yep. Like that's that's interesting to me that he was able to get on the field so quickly after that. And well, you know, it plays into a little bit of a storyline just playing against his former team. It's if nothing else interesting going into the game. Which he has downplayed. 
Yeah, several because oh, I, Spearman isn't Austin country, isn't no, Texas I, country. I, he said as much means. back in August, Bob, so. just basically like, I didn't want to live in a big city. Is basically, you know, the the summary version. Yeah, and I, you know, I was talking to George about this yesterday, too. It's like, OU has all these receivers, and you notice, like, when you watch the game back, like, Dylan Gabriel has so many passes in that game where he is throwing the ball as hard and as far as he physically can, and he still can't out-throw those receivers. Like, it's a, I think Nick Anderson's probably the one guy, size and stuff, he probably sees him well and, and, and has a good relationship with him, but, like, with Anthony and Brennan Thompson, I I still don't think Dylan really truly understands how fast those guys are down the field. You can hear Dylan say it Saturday. He's like, yeah, I need to get it out a lot quicker. When, when Brennan's taking off, I need to get that thing out quick. And the Br- guys, I mean, I, I briefly like for people that don't fully respect it. Like Andrew Anthony is fast. Brennan Thompson is track fast. Like he is scary like i don't almost don't care who you've got out there they can't run with him and they should have plenty of opportunities i mean i i think that if you look at texas defensively they're so good up front if you can give gabriel time i mean you saw it last week with jason bean and i think dylan gabriel's a better quarterback than jason bean he's playing better than (laughs) jason bean we know my history with jason bean and and guys i can say say what you will Say what you will about the offensive line. The pass protection's been outstanding. Been great. Like, it's been yep. very good. It's been really so, good. The only yeah. time that and, Gabriel's and, been sacked truly, it's not because somebody's broke down the pocket. It's because somebody's missed a block. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, they. I mean, guys, what I will say, and I, I had somebody ask me in the board chat this week, like, who's wide receiver? They were just going position by position, but one of the ones that caught people's attention was somebody asked me about the wide receiver room. And I, you know, like which wide receiver room do you like better? And I picked Texas just because I think their top two are a little better with, with Mitchell and uh, with Worthy, but and, and and also probably a little more experienced, you know, just some of those things. But guys, you look at the numbers, and Dylan Gabriel's only thrown 10 more passes this year than Quinn Ewers has. Oklahoma has six wide receivers with 10 catches or more, Texas has three. Yeah. Like it, it it's just crazy how differently they get it done. You know who else likes to uh, distribute uh, things? Prime Shrimp. They've got uh, lots of different flavors uh, for you to choose from. Go check them out, primeshrimp.com. Just a restaurant-quality meal right in your house. Easy to do. Just boil some water within 10 minutes. You've got your restaurant-quality meal. Maybe make some uh, rice with it or a little pasta, however you want to do it. Uh, The garlic herb butter shrimp, the New Orleans-style barbecue, the McQuistian uh, household favorite. Uh, signature Cajun, if you're more into that kind of thing, uh, or the French Quarter Alfredo. Just go in and pick whatever you want. Uh, get at least $50 in your order and use the promo code uh, U40, and you will get 25% off your entire order. That's primeshrimp.com. Use that promo code U40 uh, and order at least $50 a product, and you'll get 25% off. So go check out our friends at primeshrimp.com. Uh, great sponsors of the pod and have been for quite a while. So appreciate your support of uh, Prime Shrimp. Okay, we we now welcome in uh, George Stoya and uh, George. We were, we were just talking about you know the receiver position a little bit. Um, you know, and and I'll go back to it. I think one of the big you know I would say 
positives for OU going into this game is just how well Jeff Lebby and Dylan Gabriel are working together right now. Yeah, they've been uh, spectacular uh, together. I mean, I, you look at Dylan Gabriel's numbers, and I think a large product of that is the way Jeff Lebby's calling the games. And I thought Josh said it earlier about uh, Lebby's caught a, a lot of shit this year for play calling, but I actually think he's been pretty good. Um, and I thought he called a really good game against Iowa State. And I think, you know, Dylan's just playing with a lot of confidence. That's a large part of it. But he's also, you know, his receivers are making plays. I mean, think back to the game this past weekend and Brennan Thompson coming back to the ball and making a big play. Nick Anderson gets open over the middle. Uh, Jalil Farouk makes the big play while he gets interfered with. So he's got a lot of playmakers around him, too, that are helping him. I, I'm more concerned about the run game if you guys want to hear a very uh, – negative stat that I don't think works no use favor this weekend yeah sure uh in the last 16 meetings between these two teams uh the the team that wins the rushing battle is 14 and 2 yeah it's 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 so cliche and we say it every year talking about well the team that runs the ball the best is gonna win the cotton ball it's true yeah like it is true it's 100 percent true I think it even well, goes back to 2022 and two. Those. I think what it tells you is the the more physical team wins. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I mean, how many times? And this is PTSD for a lot of Oklahoma fans. How many times did or has OU gone down there to Dallas? And I mean, I I feel like it happens basically every year. And this might just be a complete like, this might be completely wrong, but. I get on the phone with my dad after the game as they're leaving the fair, and it's like they just got their ass whooped. Like Texas is, I I don't want to say historically, but year after year after year, you felt like they were the most the more physical team. Well, in the two thousands, I mean, outside of that, yeah, yeah I sure, mean, Texas sure. was labeled as a soft program, right. and you know they only recruited kids in the state of Texas, and they were basically a bunch of mama's boys and all that stuff. But I I think all that narrative has been gone for a while now, and you think back to like Lincoln Riley's first year as offensive coordinator in that series. They lost the game because he wouldn't run the ball, and they continued to drop back, and that was Baker's only loss in that series. But, um, you know, and Eddie's kind of been rewatching a lot of old uh, OU Texas stuff around the office lately. Uh, and, and, I mean, it's not wishbone versus wishbone anymore. You still have to throw the ball, and big plays really are going to equalize, you know, each other in the passing game, and they always have uh, in recent memory, but... I think in, in something, George, I know we've talked about, and, and you have the article out today, 10 players who could make a uh, make could be a hero uh, against uh, Texas. And how many times, Josh, do you remember a, a Jordan Shipley or somebody returning a kickoff for a touchdown that in, in that momentum swing, you know, when it happens, the other team doesn't react? Like, you can have big plays in this game, but it's going to be how you react as a team. And so far this year... OU has reacted very well when they faced adversity. Texas faced a little bit last week when they, you know, they were up the entire time, but that was a close game at halftime, and then they sure. came out in the third quarter and blew their doors off. Uh, but I think Oklahoma is better equipped to deal with adversity, but I still don't think they've gotten over that hump yet to where they believe. Now, I think the defense has gained confidence. It'll be interesting to see if they come out. I think they will come out and smack Texas around a little bit. But can they sustain that through the entire game? Can you know Danny Stutzman and Jaron Kanak, can, uh, can they be physical for four quarters? You know, Do they get tired and run down a little bit, as much blitzing as they'll probably sure. be doing? Like All that stuff those goes are, into it. The, all of those questions, Kerry, are like pathways to where if you can check those boxes, 100% believe Oklahoma can win this football game. Mm-hmm. 
But I just don't I, – I, a lot of it's because of what happened a year ago, and I know this is a different team, but I just can't get there quite yet. I want to believe it. I just can't say for sure. And I think we all feel that way. And yeah. that's why I'm, I'm – you know, as of today, I feel like Texas is going to win this game. But – and I've said this a lot, Josh. I mean, what were we talking about before the season started? Could this team win nine games? Could they win ten games? Like, not could they go undefeated and be in the college football playoff, and that's the road that they're on right now. If they beat Texas in this game, they probably move up to a top-five team, and, you know, people are talking about them as, you know, the rep in, for, for the Big 12 if they can beat Texas again in a Big 12 championship game to play in the college football playoff. No, I will say, I think this is the first of two meetings. I know I said that on Monday, but I truly believe that, Josh. I, I I agree. I mean, like you look around the league, and I just, I don't see the the real the the contender that's going to be there. Now, don't get me wrong. Like I I still probably look at Oklahoma as probably a ten and two team. Like I think there's going to be another loss somewhere in there. Maybe they just lose a game they shouldn't have. That kind of thing because you know it's one of those deals where it's unlike some of these years past where the margin for error is not what it once was because a lot of the really high end talent that Oklahoma has is young. And it's still kind of getting its feet under it. So it can't carry Oklahoma through a bad performance and some of those things. But as far as the Texas game, I mean, I, I think so much of it, I, again, you guys are right. The who's Who wins up front will win this game. Like, I, I think it's really that simple. But a big part of that is just going to be how do you ride the waves? Because we all know both teams are going to come out on fire early on. Like, they're going to throw everything they've got. And, you know, I know – We've all heard that, and I'm sure the same conversation is happening in Austin, that there, there's a lot I think Oklahoma feels they haven't put on tape yet, that they're they're ready to uh, to put out there. Because we yeah. know that's something, you know, going back, carry to like the, the spinner with Dan Cody years ago. Like, like uh, Brent has always loved to roll something out in this game yeah. that he's never used before, and it's usually a fairly, you know, pronounced kind of, thing, kind yeah. of alteration. Yeah, so... Um, I, I think that's going to be really interesting to see, but uh, again, like it's, I, I think it's right. Like Oklahoma to this date has checked all the boxes. Well, this is the next one. Like, are you ready sure. to be that top 10 team or do you need a little more time to kind of find your, you know, find your level? I think if OU wins I, the, what we will be saying next week and what we'll be saying on Saturday night on the Eskridge Lexus postgame show, it's a little bit of an arrival. It's like it's a little bit of a revival for what this team could be or what it, what they are. Look, they if they win this game, they're way ahead of schedule. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And and you're looking at Brent as a potential coach of the year candidate. I 1000%. Mean, and and I would love that because you know, it's it's like Brent getting his due. I mean, I think there were a lot of people that felt like he wasn't going to be successful in this job. And then when they went six and seven, it was easy target. It, yeah. He was easy to pile on. And, and I, you know, Brent's a good coach and I think he's, he hasn't been perfect since he took the job, but I think, you know, he's learning on the fly. Uh, and it, just like with time management. And I guess we should say that too. Like we haven't seen those issues in games this year and we haven't talked about that. But. Yeah. I, it's something George and I have talked about quite a bit up here at the office. Just if you watch, OU, if you're at the game, Matt Wells is very, very involved. And I don't think that it's a coincidence that you have these former head coaches, whether it be a Matt Wells, whether it be a Seth Luttrell, on staff that are really starting to kind of, I don't know about like coming to their own, because they might have been doing the same thing last year. It's just more noticeable this year. 
Matt Wells is with Dylan Gabriel from the moment he gets back on the sidelines after every series. I think he's playing that role of like if Jeff Lebby was not in the box, like he's he's definitely the the eyes and ears down on the field for them sure. right now. Well, and it's obvious how many people are involved uh, in the game because they get so many sideline penalties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> something you probably need to stay away from. That's the only thing that you see. Like, and you can tell Britt just doesn't give a shit. He's just like, yeah, we got another sideline warning. Do you guys also feel uh, going back to Texas a little bit? I know when when Herman was the head coach. Don't bring just, him up on the podcast. Uh, he just why <laughs> we love that family. <laughs> uh, it was just always there was Texas had good teams. You know they came in. Have with I good ever teams. told you a story okay. about Tom Herman's wife? Stop it! <laughs> you were not. We're not reliving the longest bleep in pod history. All right, we're not doing. Go it. ahead, George. I was just going to going to say, which by the way, I've never heard that story, so I want to hear it off the air. But um, oh God. It felt like they always came in with with somewhat decent teams, good teams, uh, but they're always just too arrogant, and that was always Texas's downfall. It doesn't feel like, I mean, watching Steve Sarkeesian's press conference, he this team for Texas doesn't seem like they're going to have that sort of a downfall. You you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, we I I said that earlier. Just in as far as it was going to be really interesting to me post Alabama how they handled everything, and they've handled it really well. They've won games thirty. I think the average score is thirty to ten or thirty-three to ten. It seems like maybe that culture that you know Sark has tried to put in place that they were always searching for is there, and that's why on the other side, as big as the game as this is for Brent Venables in Oklahoma, it's you could argue, and we talked about this on the post-game show, it could be almost bigger for them. Well, it is. I think it is national narrative-wise. Sure, it's a hundred percent about Texas and. And it is bigger for them because they, I mean, Sark's in his third year, right? And they're, they're it, I think you look at these projects as three-year projects and by the third, fourth year, you, you should be competing to play for a playoff national championship at, at these type of schools. Oklahoma, if they go lose, they can still very clearly be on schedule uh, for what Bob they want Stoops to accomplish. Thing. I was about to say, you just got a call from Bob Stoops. I've got like three things that have happened during the podcast. Uh, this is my put him time. on the pod. This is my time. You want me to? You want me to answer it? Yeah. See if he. Nah, tell. Just, that would have been awesome. I sent him a nice tweet, quote tweet last night. So I think he's trying to reach out and say thanks. It was a good interview with uh, Baker. Yeah, ah, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Go check it out. Um, so I'm sorry, Bob Stoops interrupted you. But I, I don't even remember what I was talking about. <laughs> uh, oh, pro- uh, the what they're you know. It, if OU loses on Saturday, I don't think it's hit the panic button. No, in, no, no. In any no. Way. Now, I, if they go get beat forty-nine to zero again, then maybe you do. But I don't think that's going to happen. I don't. I, I think you could say anything that happens on Saturday. It doesn't take away from the trajectory this thing is headed. Correct. Or the trajectory that it feels like this thing is headed. It just, I think, would be a little bit of a gut punch within the fan base, within the locker room, and you know everybody that pays attention to Oklahoma football. Going, oh, okay. They still got a ways to go before they can say that they are, you know, back on that tier of being able to go participate in Big 12 championships or college football playoffs and things like that. I'm actually sending out an invitation to Bob to come on. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see here what happens. And you know, I I do think that like as very unsexy as all of it may be. When you start talking about kicking gaming, you start talking about handling emotion and stuff like that. And I'm almost moving away from the place kickers who I think kind of cancel each other out. I mean, my God, the first question to Sark on uh, Monday was, 
if he was going to replace Burt Auburn. Yeah. I'm worried about punter and how you can flip the field and making a uh, Texas offense have to go the length of the field. Can you do that? I mean, we saw that in Cincinnati. It seemed like they weren't able to get out of that hole early. Uh, you need Sometimes you need a really good punt. Uh, Brent brought it up on his coach's show. The Superman play isn't what it is. This is the national. This is the national test that everybody's been talking about. Don't open it. The government wants inside your phone. It's the Superman play doesn't happen though without Texas misplaying a punt, and everybody knows how that turned out in a close ball game. Everything matters. Yeah, everything is magnified in this game, and 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 I think that that goes for every game. But it just this game, man. It's like. The momentum just shifts so quickly, and and it. I even think of like a Gavin Freeman. He can, he honestly could make or break this game. A muffed punt would would be awful for Oklahoma. He returns a big punt. It could be great for Oklahoma. Like think those about type of plays are the special big ones. teams have been such a big part of this series. Uh, you know, at, at least in my lifetime, and I'm sure that even before this, it they were just in and especially in the in recent memory, whether it be Jordan Shipley returning a punt. Or, I mean, a, a kickoff or Alex Ross returning a kickoff and how it changed the dynamic of that game. I mean, the list goes on and on of big special teams plays making big impacts in this game. Yeah, and, and I know, George, I, I didn't even expect when I looked at your list of 10 players who could be hero. I never, for the life of me, thought about putting Zach Schmidt on that thing. Well, I just put him on there because... And I'm not saying it was a bad thing because no. you're exactly right in your reasoning. Well, yeah, the, the reasoning is... I. I do I have any faith in Zach Schmidt right now? Not really, because of what happened against Iowa State and missing a 36-yarder. Texas doesn't have any faith in their kicker But either. there's going to come a point in the game that OU gets stopped either late in the game. It could even be early in the game, and they're going to need him to make a field goal, and the points are going to matter every single time, and he's got to make it. So he's going to have more opportunity than a lot of other people to make a big impact on the game. And just like the kickoff on Saturday, they got bailed out because Ginger Williams got the yeah. interception. But you can't kick the ball out of bounds with two minutes to go right before halftime. That's yep. crucial. Yep. No Did doubt about it. Did you see it. that play in the NFL this weekend that, uh, that the player made on the kickoff? The ball was kicked, and it hit the end zone, and it bounced back over into play. The player set his body down to where he was laying out of bounds and touched the football, and it was a kick out of bounds. That's genius. I don't think I saw it. It was. Um, I didn't was even it know then? you could. It was a. It was a. It was a Green Bay. Wow, yeah, I, didn't I didn't even know you that. could do that. Also, uh, on the topic that's, of that's galaxy brain stuff. Man. Yeah, that's, that awesome. is, that's genius. Uh, or maybe the, that was like a TikTok and it came from preseason or something. I don't know. Oh, I thought you were said you were watching it live. You just watched it on TikTok. Well, I mean, I was watching on TikTok. I think it was probably a YouTube short. Oh, okay, I'm uh, a big TikTok guy. I love TikTok. Um. It gives me cats is all TikTok gives me. Gives me cats too. I love cats. Uh the uh on the topic of uh guys. George, by the way, George is considering getting a dog. He asked yesterday if he can bring a dog into the office. There's no redeeming quality of a cat. I've had uh, this I've is, had cats. Eddie and I are lockstep here. Well I you're you are you are a dog superman. I mean, you've had more dogs, dogs than anyone that I've ever known, except for Phil and Zinga. I I I will almost always, probably till the day I die, have two dogs. I always. I'm thinking, I hate I'm, not having two. I'm thinking about getting one in the off season. Only issue is I don't have a yard, which I feel like I need a yard. I need someone to watch yeah. the dog when I'm gone. And then uh, 
Two, it's expensive to have a dog. Doesn't seem like a problem. I, I will say now, George, it's easier to find dog walkers. Like you can find people that'll, you know, yeah. that are in your area. You, there's all sorts of stuff. But then you have to pay for it. Again, it just it's a money it's a money thing, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyways, but hey, you're you're feeling lonely. It's okay, George. Get, get your dog, man. Um, you can eat chicken tenders with it. <laughs> no comment. Now you said you can, were can I please get to my point? <laughs> you guys were talking about PJ Adabar. You don't get this on YouTube, folks. PJ Atabare earlier, you guys were talking about him and his snaps. Um, I He's my player that I think, if I had to pick one guy that's going to be the hero, surprise hero, and to, I think to OU fans, he wouldn't be a surprise, but you know, if a true freshman makes a big play in this game, it would be a surprise nationally. His snap count in games that matter, so I took out um, Tulsa and Arkansas State because he got a lot of garbage time snaps in those games. His snap count has gone up tremendously every single game. So is, he, so is Bowens. Yeah. Uh, I haven't looked at Bowen's percentage on this, but uh, against SMU, PJ played 13% of the snaps. Against Cincinnati, he played 27% of the snaps. Uh, and this last week against Iowa State, he played 38%. He played the most snaps, 25 snaps at defensive end. He played the most snaps of any defensive end for Oklahoma on Saturday against Iowa State. I think he's going to play a lot on Saturday. Um. I yeah, I, that. I, one thing you guys did talk about, I am going to be really interesting how Desan McCullough plays in this game because that's another guy from Indiana never really experienced anything like this before um you know he went to Cincinnati he did have a pretty bad bust in that game uh but you know if their tight end plays then that's gonna be you know I athletically you know you see some things every once in a while Josh from the sun where you're just like yeah you know doesn't look great to me that'd be a little bit of a mismatch for him it it def like there are times when and, and I said it I I think I said it on Twitter during the game there night and it was because he'd come up and played a, I think it was a bubble that he played really well and it was just like if you don't force him to turn his hips he's a problem like now if you can make him turn and run that's when you can get him a little out of sync and a little uh, he can look a little awkward because he's so big and long like he looks like a giraffe running sometimes yeah. like it just you're like he's all over the place. Um, which is crazy because he played a lot of high school safety. You'd think it would be a little more natural to him, some of the movement, but it's just, it's not. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's one of those things where you're just trying to minimize the damage. Like, don't let it be a big storyline. And again, I, you know, I don't think we've heard any more from Sark. I don't, you know, like if we know what that's going to be supposed uh, to supposed to know better on Thursday, just in terms of Ryan mm-hmm. Watts and uh, Jatavian Sanders. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Like I, the the Watts thing is interesting. I will say for people that haven't watched in much the same way, Gentry Williams is coming on. Terrence Brooks is coming on for Texas. Terrence Brooks is really, yeah. really good. Yeah. Um, so that that's going to have to be a guy Dylan Gabriel's aware of because he is very good at driving on the ball underneath of him. Um, he he can you you throw something and you're not quick enough, you're late or you're inside on an out route. He he's fully capable of taking that back. The other guy I'm really interested to see how they use him is Kip Lewis. He only played ten snaps this last week against Iowa State, but I think that might have been on purpose and I think we're going to see a lot more of him this week and by on purpose I mean I I think they didn't want to put him a ton on tape maybe and they're going to use him like you mentioned earlier Carrie 
Brent coming out with different schemes and, and different blitzes and certain things, he's going to find a way to, to, I think, get Kip involved in the game. And I don't know what that looks like. Maybe him and Desan and Danny are all out there at the same time, three of their best playmakers. I, I, I think they're going to do some different things with Desan where they bring him off the edge more. They haven't done a whole lot of that. Uh, I, I I would not be shocked if we see a lot of Kip Lewis on Saturday. I'm, I'm really excited about just... In, they're not going to reinvent what they do defensively, obviously, but... I'm excited to see what Brent throws at Steve Sarkeesian. Like, this is one of those moments where it feels like because of last year and how everything went, I don't know if there was like a full trust to just completely throw everything that they wanted and it wouldn't have mattered, especially at the Cotton Bowl. Saturday, it seems like he trusts this defense enough with what they've been able to do in the first five games that it's almost like, all right, unleash them. I got one more guy I want to bring up, um, but first, I want to remind you guys about Dead Soxy, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y. They've got their brand new uh, Crimson Collection. Uh, go check it out on the website. Lots of different, if you want to get a uh, single pair of socks, no problem, but you can get the eight packs. Use that promo code SCOOP, and you'll get 25% off your entire order, uh, even sale items. Uh, so Dead Soxy, great socks, no shows. We love them here. We've talked about them forever, but also, you know, their athletic wear and their, their boardroom, uh, great socks. They got the silicone beads. Uh, they're changing the sock game and, uh, we, uh, we can enjoy wearing their product more and, uh, appreciate them always being a part of the spot, the, the pod deadsoxy.com D E A D S O X Y.com. Use that promo code scoop and you'll get 25% off your entire order. Now, one guy that seems to me to be built for this game, and it's not like the disrespect angle because he was recruited and offered by Texas, but Billy Bowman just seems to be a guy that loves and relishes an opportunity to play in a big-time atmosphere. Uh, and you know him coming off the pick six a week ago to open up the game, I just feel like he's now playing at a really, really high level. He, To me, he's the one guy I look at that could be the biggest difference maker in the secondary in this game. Josh, Josh. Has muted himself. At well, <laughs> nobody got to see it that time. You guys just had to call it out. I mean, we could have just had a pregnant pause there. Um, no, um, I again Bowman over the middle, and I I can't remember if I even said this earlier, but like going back and watching him in the Monday Morning Idiot. He had one bad moment, and he was lights out other than that. I thought it was one of his best games at Oklahoma, save for one really horrible moment. Um, so, you know, take from that what you will. But I, I thought he was really good. And if if Texas is going to attack over the middle, which, you know, you look at the Kansas game, obviously Jatavian Sanders, his ability over the middle, but all, they like to use Adonai Mitchell over there as well. I he's going to have a big role. Like, I feel like he's going to have a moment or two where either a big hit or a, a, a play in space that's going to be important. Like, he's going to have a few moments where he's got a chance to impact how the game goes. Maybe it's even another interception. Maybe he stays on a on a heater here a little bit. But um, uh, he is, I, again, he's playing really good football. He's starting to play. Early in the year, I was kind of disappointed because I really thought he was going to come out running and he was okay. He was solid. There was nothing bad happening. I just wasn't seeing the playmaking that I know he's capable of. Now I feel like he's starting to really settle in. And I don't know if it's him finally, you know, feeling fully healthy or confident in the defense or just, you know, what it, what it may be. But he looks like a different guy over the last few weeks. 
Would you guys start uh, Key or, or Reggie at the other safety spot on Saturday? Reggie? Reggie. I think so too. I and I'm gonna. I, I will probably just, just always fall back on the guy that played better the week before. I, I also think he'll help him in the in the run game more. Yes, more physical. Key is physical, but to me, Pearson is more um, reliable. He he wants the kill shot a little mm-hmm. too often, and that always scares me. But he's me been great. Like, he's been great this year. I mean, I can, mm-hmm. I don't think well, he could complain about his tackling this year. He had one against Cincinnati where he hit the guy hard, but he so he like he quickly realized he hadn't knocked him over, and then wrapped him and took him down. So yeah. like, okay, fine, you know, you, you did what you had to do. But there's still that instinct where he really wants to have that you know kind of ooh hit moment rather than like just get him to the ground. And Pearson's a huge hitter. But I think he does a better job getting a guy to the ground. And again, guys, when we're talking about these games where big plays can swing things wildly, I just feel a little better about Pearson not being the guy to just have a bad mental moment. And maybe that's just like Eddie said, because I'm remembering literally last week. But at the same time, you can argue Key is also more likely to make the big play than Pearson is. So there's a give and take there. But I, I agree. I think you probably go Pearson, right? Reggie Pearson versus Texas in 2022 while he was at Tech. Five tackles, uh, had an interception and a fumble return. Big game for a safety. Mm-hmm. That'll work. Maybe he'll use some of that Brett Yormark hate um, that Texas Tech won't be able to use this year. My, my commissioner is going to be there. That is Sankey. so bizarre. That is so bizarre that Greg Sankey's going to well, be he's there. only going to be there for a half, I guess. He's going to be there for the first and half. And your mark is not going to I do going think we might have a Sooner Scoop exclusive with him before the game, by the way. Cool. I just got an email. Well, he's nice. our good friend. So We met him in Nashville. We did. Good friends with him. Guess that trip paid off. Um, no, that is just yeah. so, so, so strange. Like, I'm sure the Big 12's not happy about it, but if your mark isn't going, I mean, have at it. Reggie Pearson against Texas, as Eddie was talking about, I just went and looked at PFF. He was the third graded, third highest graded defender and ha- and was with four other guys that had more snaps than anybody else in the defense. He played, I think it was all, it looks like there were 63, yeah, 63 defensive snaps. He played every snap of that game. I will say the one thing about this game, and, and you know, Josh, I can remember back like where we've all just been like, yeah, Texas is going to win. Like, like it almost goes unanimously unanimously with Oklahoma media where it's just like I just don't I think coming off of 6 and 7 I think most people feel like Texas is probably going to win this game and and it never happens the way that we think it's going to it's it's yeah and it and it, it we're always surprised right and then it's over and we take the beating from the fans like you didn't believe in this team no yeah you're right you get to come it's, at us it's not that I don't believe in it I just don't have the confidence that I guess that they can go do it at the end of the day. Like, I, will say I, I the, just don't know if it's there yet. The last four times Texas was favored in the game, they won. And they are favored, obviously, in this one. Analytically, the the computers love Oklahoma this week. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Hmm. I think OU's going to cover. I, know, I don't think they're going to win. Yeah. that I, I, I we'll, we'll have our prediction stuff out hopefully tomorrow um, so everybody can, you know, have it and have it to talk about on their drive down on uh, Friday. But... I, I'm kind of there. like I think this game's going to be tight. I really do. I think it's going to come down to a couple big plays, and I think that'll be the difference. But guys, you know, talking about the run game, are you guys going to be surprised if Oklahoma like 
has a little something on Saturday. Like there's something in me that I'm like, I keep watching them and I'm like, it's not that far off. It's not that far off. Like they're, and now they're playing a better front. I get it. But I think Texas can be attacked on the edge. Like I, I, I just do. Josh, and especially with who OU has at tackle. Yeah. Josh, I wanted to ask you this because I, I get this question all the time. What did OU do differently against Florida State? And I've, are they running the same stuff that they because they ran the ball so well against Florida State, who I think we all agree had a really good defensive front, and now all of a sudden they can't do. Are they running a different scheme? Like what what is going on from that to to now? I'd be lying if I said I've really sat there and like and watched it closely yeah. as far as the comp of what they've done. I, I you know that I, I would again I'm not going to oversell my credentials. Um, at the same time, it. Everything looks hesitant. Like there's so much RPO. And I will say that's something I noticed a little bit in that Iowa State game. When Oklahoma got away a little bit from some of that RPO stuff and was doing just straight run, that's when it looked better. Like that's when it looked cleaner because the offensive linemen aren't having to worry about where they are. They don't have to worry about depth. Like they're just like, here's my guy. I'm going to go make a play Um, or, you know, make a block, however you want to say that. And I, I think with some of that RPO stuff, and especially within all that, all the motion they do, like there's constant change to like, okay, now that Drake started his motion, okay, now I have the mic, okay, now nope, now he's shifted over, I've got the will. Like it just, it's changing so dramatically right before the snap that if everybody's not on the exact same page, like I've showed in the idiot a bunch of times, it's one guy that's off and the whole play gets nuked. So it's I, I like I said I don't think it's that different. I think against Florida State it was a little more direct. Is the thing that I guess I could say just from what I recall and kind of watching it. Um I you I know that did we talk about this on Monday Josh just as far as like throwing option and stuff at them you think that they throw Jackson Arnold into the game on Saturday. I, I do think that, and I think I've heard some of the same stuff you have, that I, I know that like the quote that was told to me, Jeff Levy's very excited for what they have on Saturday. We'll see. I don't, you got to go out and execute it. You got to go out and actually do it. But it seems like they feel like they have a good game plan for how they want to attack Texas. Yeah, that, and, and I'm, I'm with you, Eddie. Like I've heard similar stuff. Like they feel... They feel like they they've got a plan they're comfortable with or confident in, you know. And again, it's gonna. I'm sure Texas feels the same. Sure. Like I'm sure there's 100%. some stuff that Texas hasn't done, and they're ready to throw out there. So I mean, like that's that's the deal. You've got a good offensive coordinator, Pete Kwiatkowski at Texas is a hell of a defensive coordinator. Obviously, we all know Brent's credentials, and um, you know Sark, 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 and Brent may be the best mental battle in college football. Like those are two guys doing it at an extremely high level that really know what they're doing, and they both have a lot of skins on the you know on the walls. So you know it's not like oh this guy's kind of a flash in the pan. Like that's a really good mind you know kind of chess game happening on the field. But it, it's going to be about execution. To me, I I I really think if there's one unit that I think has to probably play its best game of the year for Oklahoma to win this game. It's the defensive line. If Oklahoma can keep Texas from living in the run game, Oklahoma can win this game. If Texas can consistently get three, four, five, I mean, I know that doesn't feel like much, but it's just kind of death by a thousand razors. Like 
I don't think they can live like that. I think they're going to have to really, really be strong against the run and force Quinn Ewers to win this game because I think if they can do that, I, I have there. There's evidence to show that Quinn Ewers is going to give you a couple chances to make a play. Uh, all right. Um, let me ask you this, Josh. Kind of anybody else want to hit anything on OU Texas before we get into some recruiting here? I just want the game to be played at this point, and I'm. You still have a whole other preview show to do after this. I know, I know, but it's just like there's so much talk and analytics thrown out there, and it's like this game, I just do not give a shit about the analytics, man. <laughs> it's like you can't quantify. It doesn't matter. I mean, stuff that yeah. happens in this game. No, no, it so. doesn't. It, you're not. You're not going to win this on paper. It's right. not going to play out the way you thought. Uh, Josh is. It's you know. There's been so much talk about Texas A&M and the recruiting world. Is Texas kind of regaining their ground a little bit? Well, they are. And a big part of it is, you know, they, because they've kind of been lingering in the teens for a while in the on three rankings. And I think the last I looked, I can pull it up. I believe they were like number 11 in the country. And um, they are definitely starting to pick up. They landed Brandon Baker, the big guy out of modern day. Um, I, you know, I'd be interested to know, like, what OU fans think of that modern day, which has been a USC pipeline for years. And I think there are five guys on the modern day roster that have USC offers. And I don't think any are going to go to USC after all the talk of like, once you get up to USC, it's going to change the recruiting. Like I, it's not going well out there. And I wonder if OU fans are, I feel are like pleased. I feel like that Nick Cage gif right now where he's just the hair's blowing in the wind. And it's just a perfect setting. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then Dan, yeah. Dan Lanning comes along too and steals your recruits while he, while he's at it. Yeah, takes your lunch money and shoves you in the locker. Um, but with with Texas, I mean, they're still in on a guy like Ryan Wingo, big time recruit from Missouri. Um, but yeah, there. I mean, it's a it's a it's not like I think in both Oklahoma and Texas case, they're not recruiting as well as they did last year, which is really funny. Because I think they're both playing better football, and I think it's more a product of it's not it's not a great year in the region as to where last year really was. Like there was a lot of big time talent, um, but you know Texas is still chasing Ryan Wingo. I believe there's one more five star they're still in on, and I can't remember who that is. I'm going to go blank. Oh, uh, it's uh, Kobe Black, the, the the big corner from Waco, who I think they're in pretty good shape for. So yeah, I mean they're they're going to finish. Probably ahead of Oklahoma, just based on the way the things are looking. Unless Oklahoma can pull a big swing here late, um, maybe maybe with a guy committed elsewhere uh, already in SEC country, but um, that uh, that that we'll have to see. But yeah, like they're they're doing a nice job. There's no doubt about it. You know, I wonder with USC and and then conversely Colorado, like if it becomes a negative to big time recruits that you're being you you become known as a transfer school, like. Is it are recruits worried like okay I can go there get my spot but if they can get some transfer and pay them a bunch of money like my spot might just disappear all of a sudden and we all I know mean, the very best recruits aren't worried about that kind of stuff but I mean you pull a Barry Alexander from Georgia I mean how many you know four star three star guys are going to want to come to your place absolutely absolutely and you know you you look at things like that where guys do end up getting pushed. And I think, I mean, there is a diminishing returns on that. Now, 
with Dion, I don't think it's going to affect him as much. But Terry, I, the thing with Lincoln that I think is so interesting, and I remember right when he took that job, you know, and I, I don't think I'm sharing too much. Say that you, you and he had a lo- long conversation like that afternoon about recruiting and how that was going to be covered and 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 all those things. And it seemed like he gets it. He gets it. And now I look at the way he's operating and the way he's doing things. I'm like, I don't like, uh, did you, did you just decide you didn't want to be that guy? Cause I like when he was hired, I was like, man, he's a good recruiter. He's really good at it. Mm -hmm. But the more I watch him, I'm like, he, he recruits quarterbacks well, and he doesn't give a shit about anything else. And I just, I, that's not highly receivers. Yeah. That don't pan out. Well, I mean, Zachariah Branch I, is going to pan out. Oh, my Lord. He's a monster. Yeah. Uh, guys, have you seen anybody? That's that's the closest thing I've seen to Percy Harvin. Like, he's that scary. I will say this about the way he uses receivers. It's like he doesn't care if you were hot, more highly recruited. If if he thinks someone's going to be more productive, he will, you know, he will bench someone if he has to. Yeah, look what's happened to Malik Brown. I mean, my God. Malik Brown just disappeared from that team. Well, look at Lee Morris at Oklahoma. He sure. loved Lee Morris. I mean, that, that guy played a ton of football and was nothing compared to some of the guys behind him from a recruiting standpoint. Yeah, what are you going to do, though, when you throw a guy a ball and every time it's a touchdown? I I'm, I mean, I'm not faulting his logic. I mean, it works. Um, but, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm not saying that he has to, you know, cow down to every player that just because they're a five star, but mm-hmm. development is a you know big. I mean, let's face it, Zachariah Branch was not going to get any better by sitting around and developing. He was great from the moment he set foot on campus. Yeah, I, I mean, like I and I know, you know, I was listening to some. I can't remember what USC reporter I was listening to not long ago. It wasn't our buddy Ryan Abraham, but you know, whatever. Um, he uh, and they were talking about, you know, Lincoln has all the same rules he had in in Norman. You know, they can't talk to freshmen and yada yada. And but they were discussing how even early on, like usually, like the players will kind of hype up somebody, but you know, and we all know the coaches are kind of temperate down, like, oh, you know, we'll see. We're, he's a young guy. We we don't know yet. But they were like, no, like the coaches didn't even try to hide from Zachariah Branch. They knew he was he was something different. Okay, um, you know, you went out to California. We did a video on mm-hmm. it. Uh, you got to see uh, a couple of OU commits and some young guys that, that are coming. Maybe we should start with kind of the young guys because we've already done the video and the breakdown of uh, Devon Mitchell and uh, Eugene Brooks. Um, but there was a 27 kid I think you saw that uh, was very impressive. You thought he yeah, was a senior, were, right? Yeah, there, there were two. There are two 2027s at Sierra Canyon, which is where uh, Eugene Brooks, the offensive line commitment, plays out there, uh, kind of in the valley, uh, which I had never been to. That's a hell of a long drive from Orange County. I was not aware of how different that was going to be. Um, but, you know, watching um, – uh, so the the two – there's Haven Finney, who's like a 6'2", 6'3", 2027 corner. So for those that can't put that number together, that's a freshman in high school, starting for a top 20 team in the country. Um, and then the other is Richard Wesley, a 6'4", freshman defensive end, also class of 2027. They are, I mean, you know, and they've already got a couple of offers. I think USC has offered both of them, if I'm not mistaken. Um, 
but they are national recruits. I mean, they will be probably top 20 guys in California. I think Wesley could be a number one guy in California type of player. He is, he is unbelievable. Um, for a, for a player so young. like if I, It's one of those deals where you show people the tape and they're like, oh, well, that's not that big a deal. I'm like, he's a freshman playing against a really good high school team. Like He shouldn't even be out there. And for him to be, I think he had like a sack and a couple tackles for loss. He He's outstanding. I mean, like, and I, I, I can tell you that, um, you know, I mentioned it on the YouTube video. I, I believe Oklahoma to be aware of both of those players now. Um, and I, I don't think they'll move fast. Oklahoma's not crazy about offer, you know, being the first to offer some guy from across the country. But I, I would be pretty surprised if within a year's time, those guys probably don't both have an Oklahoma offer. Now, um, I think, and you can even see it on the video, but, uh, you know, Eugene Brooks, and, and you'd kind of compared him to Drew Samia, and that made a lot of sense when you did it. Uh, but he does... Yeah, when we talked about the other day, he does seem to just kind of like scream interior, you know, kind of stalwart. I mean, to me, and I, I think you you compared him to Tyrese Robinson. Yeah, a little bit. I almost, I almost felt style. a little bit of miniature Duke Robinson out of that guy. The, that's that's not bad either. Cause, and that, that would be – because Tyrese, like I would say in movement skills and a lot of that, Eddie's right. Like there, there is a lot of comp there. I think Brooks has a nastier side to him that you didn't usually see from Tyrese. So Duke makes some sense because you know Duke was willing to get down in the mud with you. He, he he'd get nasty if he needed to. Um, he was just so a ridiculous large human being. Yeah, in, uh, in he was just a, yeah. like an overwhelmingly big person. I mean, I remember seeing him. Kerry, were you at me uh, with me at that national thing we went to when he was like a senior, and you were like, "Oh my god!" Like, because he had the. The thing in Georgia where they do the red dreadlocks. I mean, and I know it's not just Georgia, but it, it's yeah. Very I remember the red dreadlocks particular stuff, yeah, going around. Yeah, and so you're like, holy crap! Um, it's just a big, big human being. It's like a but, giant um, predator. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but to be fair, like Duke's as nice a guy as you like ever want to talk to. Always super easy to deal with. Um, but yeah, with with Brooks, like I, again, I and I mentioned it on the video. There is some thought whether he is a center, a guard, like where that could play. He plays left tackle for uh, Sierra Canyon, but th that's just kind of standard practice at high school when you've got a big-time offensive lineman. So uh, he'll move inside. I think guard is probably where he gets his first chance, but I do wonder about center because, like I said, he's he's long-armed, but he's kind of short. He's about 6'2", um, but he can move around. He's a pretty good athlete. Uh, he's a he's an okay athlete at tackle. You move him inside, and suddenly he he has pretty good skill. So I, I think that is going to be the question. Really, is can he would Bill trust him to be the guy making his calls and being that kind of guy? He strikes me as a sharp kid. I think he could pick that up. Um, but it's just a matter of you know does I think part of it would be timing too because obviously Josh Bates is kind of the heir apparent you know that most see right now or well. You've got Troy Everett and then Josh Bates, you know, kind of how you want to work that timeline out. But would Brooks be the next guy or would Brooks be better served as a guard playing next to Bates? How do they kind of see that would be um, kind of the question of where his future is to me. Now, uh, Devon Mitchell, you know, watching him on, on a video and you go to YouTube.com and see Josh kind of break down everything real time. Uh, we have that ability now, which is really cool. I mean, uh, if you don't know, Josh is in Houston, but, you know, the studios that we have, it's set up so he can 
actually break down film. We're going to keep doing more and more of that, uh, you know, after he goes and sees kids on the weekends and going to try and make that more a regular feature of the site. But go check that out on uh, YouTube.com slash Sooner Scoop. But Devon Mitchell, I think I even felt like George buckled a little bit when he saw you, you mentioned how you can tell how big his hands are just catching the football. Like his hands like literally surround the football. Like he should never have a drop. It's one of those things where like, you know, you, you see the guys that will hold a ball, you know, like just palm it. And you're like, Oh, that's okay. That's kind of a thing. But you watch him do it. And you're like, I don't know why he bothers catching the ball any other way. It's, it's just unbelievable. And it's, one of those things where he's not just big-handed because he does a good job. He's one of those guys who catches it naturally with his hands. He's not a he's not a body catcher. You don't see any double catches and that kind of stuff. Like when he's got it, it's 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 there. So I, I that's one of those things again where you know you can talk about all his physical traits that are obvious, like okay, he's big, he's fast, he can run. You know, he's dangerous after the catch, all that stuff. But then you watch that and you're like, well, no. I mean, he's he's a guy you can throw it to in traffic, and he's going to go make a play for you. Because uh, he's he's explosive out there. He he's one of those guys that looks like a power forward that just moved over to football and and took to it. But he's a guy that I know dating. I I remember hearing about Devon when he was part of you know I think he was a ball boy for Allen like his seventh and eighth grade year. And I had uh, one of our one of our buddies that we all know is watching the Allen game and he's like, who the hell is that kid? And they're like, yeah, that's that's Devon. He's just an eighth grader. And he was already, you know, 6'2", 200 pounds. You're like, okay, that's a guy. <laughs> so um, he, he's just been well-known since early on. And um, uh, just watching him, like I said, everything about him, you're like that. I, I can't think of anything I left California thinking, boy, I wish he did that better. Like, I wish he was better at that. You could say, oh, I wish he was 6'5". He's six three and a half, six four. Like I don't care. I'm not going to nitpick him on that because he's so good at literally everything else. And I know people are upset because you know he moved to 2025 and he's. I think he's on three. He's number ten tied in in the country. He's better than that, guys. You you, you can't argue to me that there are legitimately five tight ends in the country better than him. I'm just. I'm not going to believe it. So I think it's the one fine. thing he's about, ranked where he's ranked. I think the one thing about him is you know. When I saw him at Geyer, I was like, wow. I mean, it was it was shocking to see him for the first time. Uh, and he was so big and, and moved so well. When I kind of zapruder your film a little bit, I think like, well, you know, the kid, he, if I nitpicked, I'd say he's not, he doesn't have elite athleticism. Like there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of gawkiness there. Uh, but then at the same time, you're like, he's a baby. Like he is... He is he is reclassified as a senior. He should still be a junior. What is he? Is he sixteen turning seventeen, or is he now seventeen? I mean, regardless, like that kid, regardless of what you think he is, baby giraffe, whatever, like he's going to get so much better, so much faster. Oh yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing too. Like he's a guy that, uh, and we we talked about this again in YouTube. Like he really he's a guy that gets it. Like he understands what it's supposed to be like. He's very, you know, very focused. And I know people see the OU logo on the back of his helmet and all that kind of stuff. And they kind of have this impression of him, but he's a guy leading them out of their breaks and stuff. Like he's not just, Oh, I'm the superstar out here and I'm going to do what I do. Like he, he's a guy that's bought in. Like, I think that was a big part of what he liked about the program so much is there's a level of expectation of how you're going to operate and what you're going to do. And 
when, when you do that and you, uh, you know, he puts in that time with Jerry Schmidt, I think he'll lean up a little bit. Cause I think right now he's probably a little heavy in some places. And I think that makes his movement a little awkward as he cleans that up. I think he'll be more explosive. He'll be more dangerous. And then, you know, you move into that. And again, I think you've got a guy that's a, maybe a second, second day pick someday in the NFL. Like he has that kind of potential to me. Uh, and, and moving on to uh, the uh, Santa Fe video that uh, Brick Bates went out and shot. Uh, it was striking kind of seeing Eugene Brooks versus uh, Asosia. What's Asosia's first name? I can't even remember. Josh. 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 Uh, Asosia. Yeah. Like, you said on the, you know, we were watching, like, you have to offer a kid like that. Like, he looks, he has a, looks like he has a ton of potential, but he's, you know, he's a guy that's kind of, you know, feeling his way out. He, he's not quite there yet, uh, you know, in terms of a finished product. He's one hundred percent a project, like he just is. But I, at the same time, he's a. Pro- it's it's not any different to me than you, the Daniel Akinkunmi kid from England. Like mm-hmm. Daniel's gonna minimum need a year of redshirt. Same with Josh. Like they need time. They're not gonna be ready to help you. And frankly, if you're asking guys to help you as freshmen, you're in a bad spot. I mean, unless it, the kid's name's Caden Proctor and he's just a mountainous, you know, freak of nature. Um. But generally, you, those guys need time, and these guys especially, because they are projects. Josh, Josh is a guy that just started really playing football his sophomore year. He doesn't know all the little ins and outs. He's still learning, and Santa Fe's got a good staff there. They've really helped him along. He's gotten dramatically better even from his junior year to his senior year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, again, a guy with that kind of basketball background, you can see it. You watch him move his feet. You're like, oh, he's light-footed. He moves around naturally. He can pull. Um, you can absolutely see a world where he is a good player for Oklahoma. Uh, it's just going to be a matter of how quickly does he become the finisher he needs to be. How quickly can he uh, develop the technical side that he's going to have to be where he's proper with his feet and he's got his hands where they need to be and and all those little bitty things like that, that take time. They just do. But he's a guy that I think we've seen these kind of guys be good marriages with Bill Biedenboe because everybody loves to talk about, oh, he doesn't land enough five stars. But the guys he finds that have tools and will work with him and give him time, those guys usually become very good players. Like It's just a matter of can those guys buy in and stay around, and that's admittedly been a problem at times. But I think Josh knows what he's walking into. I don't think that's going to be as much an issue for him. By the way, that Edmund Santa Fe running back is going to make somebody a really good third down. Back. I love the fact that he doesn't use gloves. I don't know. Any, I don't know why. You very obsessed, it's, not it's, obsessed. It's badass. It's a badass that, yeah. look. Demarius Robinson, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that's and he is again. The numbers he's putting up are just nuts. Kid like, I, he's rushed for six hundred yards the last two weeks. I and I feel like sending someone out to to shoot a Carl Albert game is like. You're going to get a lot of footage. You're not going to have a very good time. No, you're going to have a great time. You're going to get a lot of footage, and but you're going to be gone by the middle football. of the third quarter. <laughs> it's the greatest Yeah, but if job. you want to watch a great football game, it's not going to Probably happen. not yeah. until uh, maybe late November. But yeah, I mean, you can go get a you know a hot dog and a drink during the third and fourth quarter, wait for the guy you got to interview, and then you know you get out of there. No, no problem. Right. It is uh, – it, you know, I, I do think that – in. We're talking about you know Kevin Sperry and Xavier Robinson and that host of guys that uh, Carl Albert currently has on that squad. Uh, I think that Kevin Sperry tweeted something 
uh, with the run that Briggs had, not the not the that run, but it was the the huddle view of it. He was like twenty five miles an hour. I don't. I I was a little surprised. Twenty one. I think or twenty one. Yeah, I, I guess that'd be a big difference. Twenty point something. Yeah. It either 20. way. Point four. I thought is what it was. But yeah, sorry. The ahead, the the speed that he showed off, I think, probably surprised a little bit. I I mean. It, it it does even to me because I mean guys that's I mean like that's up there that's cooking I mean twenty point four you're moving was um, that like Trey Brown was he like twenty two miles an hour in that intercept in that chase down of that Baylor receiver in the Big yeah, 12 championship yeah like game? the the elite guys like Trey or like I think Taylor Tatum earlier this year hit like twenty one nine or something like that so um, I mean there, there's there's another level to it. But I mean, I would say twenty point four is probably in that Jackson Arnold range. Like, I think you're you're talking about that kind of that kind of speed, which is you know probably mid to high four sixes. Which, if you can get that out of your quarterback, who I think we all believe Kevin Sperry is a really talented passer, um, that'll that'll work. <laughs> I mean, you you can make use of that kind of guy. So, I again, Carl Albert, just such a wagon. I mean, like it, it's. It, I mean, like it is like you, Terry, you talk about going to the game and maybe, you know, or Eddie's talking about going to the game and not having a good time. Like, it's kind of like going to the Coliseum and like watching a guy fight a lion. You're like, this is going to go badly, <laughs> but I'm going to watch it anyway. Like, you know how this story ends. All right. Uh, Sorry, 5A. Anything else uh, yeah, I, on, the, on the recruiting trail? John, Jonathan Hatton. I mean, talk about yeah, surprise yeah, commitments. Hatton, yeah. 2026 uh, running back out of. Uh, San Antonio, Sabalo Steel, a school that Oklahoma's a little bit familiar with, uh, just in terms of We're talking about recruiting. Mark Jackson yesterday. Mark Jack, yeah, Mark Jackson. There was one other, wasn't there? Marquise Anderson, maybe the defensive tackle. Marquise Anderson, and they had a receiver whose name I'm going to forget. He was only at OU for like a year. Um, same class as Marquise, but yeah, those are the three that I remember from Steel. Full disclosure: You sent me this video a couple weeks ago. You went to a Sabalo Steel Lake <laughs> Travis game. Uh, we really didn't have much to do with it, but with the commitment mm -hmm. of Jonathan Hatton yesterday, pulled it up. My God, this kid is massive. He looked, he, I mean, he legitimately looks like I, AD or what I would imagine you know, he looked like in high school. Sorry. <laughs> the, the, and, and I know when the commitment happened and, and our, you know, our, our guide on three Hayes Fawcett tweeted it out. And he listed him as like 5'11", 174. You you look at his page on Huddle, he's like 6'1", 195. Good God. And Eddie I think on his own right Twitter, now. it's like 6'1", 203. He's, and I, uh, it's a lot to do with the number 28, but it's like, holy shit, this kid's a sophomore in high school. Yeah, Josh will tell you this. Like, you know, like Taylor Tatum, uh, the Hatton kid we're looking at, like, when you saw AD in high school, he looked like a basketball player. Like, he he wasn't just bulging everywhere. He had, he had no body fat. Uh, he had muscle, but he looked like a power forward, kind of. I apologize to uh, I, Mr. Peterson of Dancing of the Stars. He was he, still he was just so long, like he was so long legged and long armed, like he was carrying two hundred pounds, but he looked like one eighty. Like yeah. he just it, it looked, and then you like, you get up on him, you're like, holy crap, this is a big human being. Um, and again, every time Adrian comes up, must mention the strongest handshake I've ever been a part of. Damn near broke my hand. I think he finally um, figured out to stop doing that to people. Oh, God. I, I don't know. I ran into him a couple years ago in Houston, and 
he just patted me on the shoulder and I was like, just don't squeeze thank it. God, don't squeeze it. Leave, me, leave my shoulder alone, dude. Well, you know, um, repeat, repeat yeah. people he dealt with in his life had to just, he had to recognize the fear in people's faces as they extended their hands. Seriously. I, and, oh God, that, that, that whole day was such a shit show. All I, I would have ended perfectly with Adrian breaking my hand as I went to leave, uh, from the, uh, from the announcement of his commitment. Uh, anyway, t- entirely unrelated. The guy he reminds me of, and Eddie, I-, I say the same thing because I wonder if I'm getting trapped in the number a little bit, and I don't know who all here will really remember this guy, but Jonathan Stewart that played at Oregon in the mm-hmm. mid-2000s, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, really good back, ended up being a first-round pick of the Carolina Panthers. Uh, that's who he reminds me of because Jonathan was the same guy, kind of six foot. I think he played at Oregon at about 215, 220, very powerfully built, kind of compact guy. Uh, but still had speed, great feet, um, and and that's the thing, you know. And I talked uh, that night that I that Eddie's talking about, where I went to see Jonathan play. They were playing Lake Travis, and I saw him go against Gus Cordova, uh, the the 2025 defensive line offer that OU is in pretty good shape for right now. And I um I, I talked to Gus a little bit, and I don't want to quote him too much, but he definitely impressed Gus. Uh, I'm gonna see. I'm gonna actually asking Gus if I can use some of the quotes he gave me. But um, th- there's no question that his physicality stood out. Like he he was a guy that um that you know you watch him run through tackles, but he's uh, he's very nimble. He's light on his feet. Like I, it's a really good uh, a good take, and I I, I want to say. We were talking amongst ourselves yesterday, like because nobody had really retweeted it after it announced it, and I was like, "Well, let me check around, make sure." I mean, I knew they'd offered him, I knew they liked him, but I just wasn't sure if maybe it was so early they'd kind of asked him to tap the brakes or something. And it was kind of like, "Are you shitting me?" No, like we want that guy, you know. So, <laughs> like, I, I think Oklahoma is very, very high on Jonathan Hatton, and it's interesting now when you look at the, that's the same class as Caden Jones, Kiwan's kid at Jinx. Like, there's, I mean does Oklahoma get that much momentum kind of moving in that class where maybe, maybe something else happens there. Yeah. Eddie showed me more videos. You were talking. I just, it's just like an abdomen, a- abdomen sitting on two thighs. Yes. He is powerfully built. It's, it is super, super impressive. Uh, I, can't believe I did want to say, like I, I put woke up a little bit before we started the pod uh, in woke. And you know, it's now out on the Twitters because it happens anytime I make a prediction. Made a prediction for Eddie Pierre-Louis, uh, Lewis Carter's teammate from uh, from Tampa Catholic in Florida, to pick Oklahoma. I, I think he may be on campus here before long. If you want to know more about that, check out Woke. But I, I think Oklahoma has put themselves in pretty good position for um, you know a guy that's kind of depending on where you look. Some have him as a top fifty player in the country. I know Rivals does, and then you know we've got him. I think as a low four star. So kind of varies where you see him but i've seen him in person i think he's tremendously talented he, he's he's kind of like what we were talking about with eugene brooks he's got to lean out a little bit but he's every bit of six three six four and can move his feet i i think he would be a very good get for uh, bill Bedenbow and company josh anything else uh recruiting wise you want to hit on that's coming up um not really that i can think of um you know for the you know, Eddie, uh, I don't know if we've even mentioned the promo we've got running right now, but promo on the side, half minds. off for a year. Uh, if you're interested in the scoop, this will be commitment predictions this weekend. Uh, we've got some other stuff that will be in there. I, I'm hearing some interesting rumors on a few positions that I kind of thought were just about over that I don't think are, so we're going to we're gonna keep watching some things. But, yeah, there, there should be plenty of interesting recruiting stuff, and obviously a lot of 
even though it's Texas hosting this weekend and they'll be the ones responsible for who gets to come to the game, a lot of, you know, obviously a lot of um, carryover between who Texas is recruiting and who Oklahoma is recruiting. So guys like Michael Fasusi and some others will be there. So we'll, you know, want to catch up with them and see what their thoughts were on the game. Yeah, uh, so 50% off your first year, uh, new subscribers. Uh, if you've been listening to the podcast and you've never subscribed, it's the best time to do it. Uh, uh, Texas coming up. And look, like we said, although I'm reminded of this YouTube comment I'm just reading right now, um, basically telling us that they had to turn off the uh, practice report because we're basically Texas media just praising Texas. I got that a lot this morning. Uh, just because... I said that Texas is pretty good. <laughs> I guess I work for Texas now. Yeah. I, it, and I get it. That's part Everybody of... Everybody wants their, you know, stuff delivered the way they want it. want to hear what they want to hear. And I think that, like, you could say that Texas is good, and I think Oklahoma's going to play a, play a really good ball game, but they only hear the Texas is yeah. good part. You're supposed to shit on them. Yeah, we're not... We're not we're not going to tell you just what you want to hear all the time at Sooner Scoop. I mean, you know, that's just how we are. I think it's pretty obvious that I want OU to win this week. Like, I think we all. I mean, I, anybody that makes it, the uh, the trip from Oklahoma City probably is like-minded individuals. It, life is better if OU <laughs> beats Texas. It just is. It's it's better for everybody. It's, it's, it makes everybody happier. We probably do better business. Like, we want them to win. But we're not going to sit here and say Texas sucks. And that they're definitely going to win. That's just not how we operate. So, uh, but like we said, hey, that's I mean, good. fuck them for sure. <laughs> but no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, but that's what we said we wanted. We wanted the crazy in the YouTube content uh, or the comments. And hey, we're all, we're we're inching towards twelve thousand subscribers. And that's the thing. Awesome. Go, go subscribe because that way you'll know uh, the content when it comes out. Like last night, I think it was about seven between seven eight o'clock about when the practice report came about, and then, you know, you know it's out there. And like we did with Josh this week, we're adding more stuff all the time. So uh, we want to get a, a regular schedule just like we do with the pod coming out every Wednesday and the, the Eskridge Lexus postgame pod coming out after. But uh, this is all possible because of our Sooner Scoop subscribers. Uh, so if you want to be a part of that, we would love to have you. Uh, Josh just had to perma ban someone yesterday, uh, so the cr the community is crazy, but you know lovable. So we'd love to have you guys a part of it if uh, you've never been a subscriber. So go get that fifty percent off your annual subscription. Uh, Sooner Scoop Store as well, SoonerScoopStore.com. We've got merch available: hats, t-shirts. Uh, if you want to get some unofficial forty merch, uh, you can do that. So uh, that's gonna do it. OU Texas. Cannot wait. I do have some major FOMO, and it just continues to grow day by day that uh, I will not be there. Uh, I know that Baker Mayfield's going to be there. Might be doing some stuff with him a little bit, uh, some stuff with he and uh, Quick Trip. So excited about that as well. Uh, and then George is going up to see his brother. Yeah, going to be uh, a good time, I think. We're going to have a, a fun time Saturday night. He lives in Uptown. So we're gonna we're gonna have a big old party on uh, Thursday. Would you like to Thursday put night. anything to rest in terms of no your dating I, life? I, yeah, I would. <laughs> that I'm dating one person okay. and not multiple. See, I, I wanted to give you that you option. Tweeted out that I was dating multiple women. That's just false. That is in factual information. I'm dating. I, it's one a huge girl. step. I mean, you know, she's great. Just that's what is it, it is. a girlfriend. 
George, can I be your lawyer I'm, here? <laughs> yes. Just stop fucking talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that my will client do will not be please answering read, those questions. Please read my Danny Stutzman story tomorrow morning, Thursday. Yes, I cannot wait. I cannot wait for that to come out. Uh, all right, that is going to do it. Uh, George, your pound of flesh has been extracted for the day. I will not bust your balls anymore today. You're you're safe. I'll believe it I when I see it. I don't think flesh and balls should be said in the same sentence. No, probably was a mistake <laughs> on my part. Also, uh, weather's going to be great on Saturday. I don't know if you guys are going to be beautiful. About that, but can't wait. Can't yeah. wait to see what antics Eddie pulls off this year. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Just don't let, don't let Bevo attack you or something. I think that would be great. Great if for Bevo brand, attacked me, content. that'd be amazing. Do you see that Ugga keeps uh, getting things to attack him? No. Like, he's a little bastard. So does Joe Biden's dog, Bo. Keeps biting Secret Service. Okay. We're up to, like, 13. That's a fact. Uh, I did get a bunch Someone of emails. Someone called you a lib on the YouTube comments. Huge lib. You won't even believe it. <laughs> uh, I got great emails from listeners. I'll yes. read. I'll read those on the opponent preview show. We'll do that oh, at the end nice. of the opponent preview okay. on YouTube. Which will be coming out tomorrow. That's right. All right. Uh, appreciate everybody listening in. We'll be back again next week. Uh, we'll also be back again for the Eskridge Lexus postgame podcast. Go search out Oklahoma Sooners postgame on your podcast uh, service of choice, and you'll see it right there, the uh, Soonerscoop.com Oklahoma Sooners postgame show. Uh, and subscribe to that so you know when that comes out. 11 o'clock kickoff, so should have a pretty good uh, release on that before it gets too late. Uh, but we'll have plenty more coming from Dallas uh, as the guys, Bob, uh, George, I think is his name, uh, Eddie, will all be down there um, working hard for it. I know it's George's name. Uh, anyway, so thanks for listening. Thank you, Josh, uh, for all the uh, recruiting coverage and uh, the trips that you've been taking lately. And we'll see you back here again next week for another edition of the Unofficial 40 Podcast from Soonerscoop.com.